So this morning, as we get into our Easter message, first I want to start by sharing a couple odds, just to get us started, a couple odds about, you know, just different things, because this morning's message is called Against All Odds. That's the title of this morning's message, Against All Odds. And you may be sitting there going, okay, I get that, that makes sense. We'll get into that in a moment, but this is going to help us get started in the right direction, so just hang with me for a moment. The odds of that a male age 18 to 49 is afraid of spiders is one in about 83. So I'm just going to do this for fun. If you're a male here today and you're afraid of spiders, raise your hand. No, just kidding. You don't have to. But the odds of Bob put his hand up. Like, yep, that's me. But a, a male between 18 and 49, the odds that they're afraid of spiders is about 1 in 83. The odds of having to visit the ER due to injury from being on a pogo stick is about 1 in 115,000. Right, so the odds of you know being on a pogo stick, jumping up and down, getting injured, and having to go to the ER is about one in one hundred and fifteen thousand. And while pogo sticks might seem dangerous, and they can be, you're actually more likely to get injured by a number of other things, such as using soap. Actually, using soap, you're likely to get injured and could possibly end up in the ER. About one in eleven thousand people end up in the ER because of soap. I don't know why, but it just happens, slipping, whatever it may be. Getting into a hammock, one in 85,000 people end up in the ER, and that one I get, that one I understand. I've seen a lot of people trying to get in and out of hammocks and different things, and that, those ones end up on America's Funniest Home Videos, um, you know, talking about. How about this one? How many of you this morning brushed your teeth? I hope everybody brushed their teeth this morning. I didn't tip raise hands go up, but I'm hoping most people press the after we just did greeting time. One in 99,000 people may end up in the ER because of their toothbrush. So it's more likely to end up in the ER due to your toothbrush than it is injured using a pogo stick. How about this one? How many of you like to drink using a straw? One in 100,000 people end up in the ER because of a straw. So that is more dangerous than jumping up and down on a pogo stick. However, Using a pogo stick is less dangerous than using a leaf blower. Apparently using a leaf blower is, or using a pogo stick is more dangerous, sorry, than a leaf blower. Only one in 171,000 people get hurt using a leaf blower. Why do I share that? Because we talk about odds all the time. We say things like, the odds were one in a million. The odds were one in a million. It wasn't supposed to happen. It was, it was basically, it was unlikely. There was no way that was ever going to actually happen. Today in Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate someone who defeated the odds when Jesus rose from the dead. It was not supposed to happen. Jesus overcame the odds. I don't know if you thought about it much, right? But there are a lot of people today by profession who are actually called odds makers. It is their job to actually figure out the odds or the probabilities of things. People who figure out life insurance rates, the odds of someone living versus somebody dying because of different reasons. The owners and operators of casinos, right? They figure out the odds of gambling. Some people actually make their living by sorting out the sure shots in life from the long shots in life. They're odds makers. That is what they do. For example, this is kind of a funny example, but there are people who can tell you mathematically that your car is 38 times more likely to be stolen 
If it's a Land Cruiser, then a Hyundai. 38 times more likely to be stolen if it's a Land Cruiser than a Hyundai. But here's the good news. If you're still running around in a Ford Pinto, you don't have to worry about it. It's mathematically impossible, they say, for a Ford Pinto to be stolen. Nobody wants one. Literally, the odds makers will tell you no one will steal a Ford Pinto. They say, leave the keys in the ignition. It does not matter. That is what the odds makers will tell you. You don't need to put a club on the steering wheel. It doesn't matter. It's statistically impossible. No one will steal a Ford Pinto. Some people make their life, their living, by figuring out odds like these. And typically, they're very accurate. But yet, as I mentioned, today we're celebrating someone who defied the odds. Someone who went against all the odds when he overcame death forever. So today, as I said, we celebrate the fact the odds makers were wrong. Because there are times they are wrong. Jesus defied the odds. Jesus came back from the grave. And that, my friends, is a powerful message. It's a message that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. That is the difference from Christianity, every other religion, every other thought in the world. And here's what I want you to get today. The message of Easter, the message of the resurrection, is a message that can do two things for a person in their life today. It can change the way they think about God, number one. Therefore, it can change the way that they live their life. The message of Easter can change the way that somebody thinks about God. Therefore, it can change the way that somebody lives their life. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. Right? The perfect example of this is oftentimes when somebody has their first child. And oftentimes maybe this fits more the dad or a male than it does the mom or a female. Right? When it comes to changing diapers. Previously, many, many dads or many males haven't changed many diapers and they don't really like to do that. But all of a sudden, when you have your own baby, you have your first baby, you go, you know what? My kid's poop doesn't stink. I can change my own baby's diaper anymore. Why? Because you change the way you think, it changes the way you live. That's a funny example, but it's true. When you change the way you think, it changes the way you live. Like, when you change the way you think about God, therefore, it changes the way you live your life. Today, I hope you'll consider changing the way you think about your life by changing the way you think about Jesus. Acts 17.32 said this, When they heard Paul speak of the resurrection of a person who had been dead, some laughed, but others said, We want to hear more. And this is obviously referring to Jesus. It said, Some laughed, but others said, We want to hear more. And if you're sitting here this morning, and maybe you're going, I'm just simply kind of curious about spiritual things or curious about Christianity and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's okay. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here. Because that's what this is all about. Maybe you're sitting there this morning, you're asking the real questions, you're going, what is Jesus all about? Is this a real thing? Did Jesus really live and die and then raise from the dead? Those are real questions that all of us have to answer in our own lives. That's part of our faith journey. So would trusting Jesus with my life really change everything? Yes, it will. Will committing to follow Jesus really affect me tomorrow when I wake up? Yes, 
It will. Will Jesus make any difference in my life? Yes. With my friends? Yes. With my family? Yes. In my future? Yes. I believe that the answer to all of those questions, it comes from out of the story of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And the answer is yes. Easter is the yes message. Is God good? Yes, he is. Does God love you? Yes, he does. Can your sins be forgiven? Yes, they can. Is there a place for you in heaven as you give your life to the Lord? Yes, there is. Do I have to be weird to follow Jesus? No, you don't. No, you don't. Not every answer is yes. Do you have to be weird to follow Jesus? No, you don't. So here's the miracle of Easter. What is the miracle of Easter? It's very straightforward this morning. Acts 2 22 through 24, it's on the screen behind me as I read it. People of Israel, listen, you nailed him, Jesus, to the cross and murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again, for death could not keep him in its grips. Amen? So the miracle of Easter, what is it? Number one, Jesus truly died. Number one, that's the miracle. Jesus truly died for the sins of the world. Jesus really died for your sins, he died for my sins, and he died for every other person that has ever lived and ever will live on this earth. Number two, the miracle of Easter. Jesus truly was buried. Not only did Jesus die, he went to a tomb and he was buried. Day number one, he was dead in the tomb. Day number two, he was dead in the tomb. And then day number three came, Jesus rose from the Dead. But Jesus truly was dead and buried in a tomb for three days. The third part of the miracle, as I just mentioned, is the fact that Jesus was resurrected. So Jesus died for our sins. Jesus truly was buried in a tomb for three days. And Jesus was truly resurrected. The resurrection of Jesus is God's ultimate proof of the supernatural. We see Jesus do all kinds of supernatural things, and, and God does all kinds of supernatural things through his people. But the resurrection is the ultimate proof of the supernatural. It's the main event of the New Testament and a fulfillment of what was prophesied all about in the Old Testament. It was a prophecy, which means it was foretold beforehand that it was going to happen. Right? It said a Messiah would be unjustly killed and would raise from the dead. Ever since Jesus' resurrection, there have been movements to make Jesus just another man, right? Jesus was just a good guy. He had good principles, he had good ideals, he had good thoughts, and he carried himself well. People have said that by providing human-made theories to ask, uh, to explain why the resurrection never really happened. They had all kinds of ideas, and they, they even made up evidence that they said, this is what actually happened, different theories as to Jesus' resurrection. And I want to share a couple of those with you this morning because maybe you're sitting here and you're going, you know what, I've heard some of these theories and maybe some of you in this morning, you believe some of these theories. And I want to share them with you because I want to share with you why I believe these theories are not true this morning. Some people say it was just a spiritual resurrection. It wasn't physical, it was spiritual and it was just symbolic. It was just a spiritual resurrection that was symbolic and important. Can you see the disciples getting together and telling each other, hey, let's say that Jesus was resurrected. We're probably all going to be killed because of it, but it would be an important symbol. 
It's going to be great. Okay, let's do this. Right? Because we know that all the disciples went on to be what? They went on to be killed in really awful deaths. It wasn't like the disciples lived on and they had these wonderful lives and just died of old age. They all lived and or died terrible deaths. Each of the disciples did. I don't get out of bed each and every morning to celebrate a symbolic gesture. Right? We didn't come here this morning to say, oh, the victory was in Jesus symbolically having a spiritual resurrection. Another theory is the stolen body theory, that, that somehow the disciples went in or somebody else went in and they just took Jesus' body out of the tomb and they hid it where no one could ever find it. They stole his body away. That's another theory. Okay, a couple things that, that are difficult with that theory. First of all, there was a stone put in front of the tomb, right? Does anybody know how much that stone weighed? 2,000 pounds. About 1.5 tons. So about 3,000 pounds that stone weighed. 3,000 pounds. Okay, first of all, that's, that's the first challenge. 3,000 pound stone. There were ropes across the stone and five, stone, five Roman seals that had been placed over that stone. You know what happens if you break a Roman seal? You're dead. It's a death penalty. If you break a Roman seal, you are put to death. So, you have to move a 3,000 pound stone. You can be put to death if you break a Roman seal. Then, there were 16 Roman guards that were put on patrol to guard this, uh, to guard the tomb. And you know what? These soldiers, they were trained to defend six people at to defend against six people at one time in hand-to-hand combat. So one soldier could take on six men at one time. So you do the math. Sixteen soldiers could take on six people at a time, individuals. That's, that's a lot of people they could take on at one time. They took shifts, and if one would fall asleep, the entire unit would be executed. So if one soldier fell asleep, all 16 of them would be executed. Right? So it wasn't like they, they didn't have motive to stay awake. They would be stripped of their clothes and lit on fire, and then the soldiers would be thrown into the fire. That is how they would be executed if the soldiers would have been found guilty of falling asleep when they were on guard. They were highly motivated not to fall asleep. So the disciples are not going to take on the Roman, the Roman elite soldiers, and the Roman elite soldiers were not simply going to allow Jesus' body to be taken away from them. Another theory is called the swoon theory. The Roman soldiers who were experts in the crucifixion made a mistake. They said Jesus wasn't really dead. That he wasn't dead. That he was just kind of in a coma. That he wasn't dead. Jesus looked dead on the cross, but he was just unconscious. Eyewitness accounts said the spear threw his ribcage into his heart. Blood and water came up. Four experts had to sign the death certificate that went to Pilate. Four different experts had to sign that death certificate. Not only that, 100 pounds of cloth and spices to prevent decay, which was the custom of the day, were put around Jesus' body. And the coolness within the tomb, they, they say he was resuscitated because of the coolness and the way that, that all the cloth and the spices went around him. His back had been opened up from being ripped, and the holes in the hands and his feet and the spear in his side all allowed the air to be able to get into his body. That he hobbled over the entrance and he somehow moved the stone away. That he took on all the soldiers. He beat up Romans elite and he claimed victory over death. It doesn't even make sense when you think about it. 
Those are some of the theories that people have come up with about why Jesus' resurrection was not real. But here's the reality. Jesus' resurrection was a physical resurrection when he overcame sin and death forever. People who saw Jesus could present incontestable evidence of his resurrection. You could give 500 people 15 minutes each to explain what they saw of Jesus in the time after he rose from the dead. If you think about that, that would be five days, 24 hours a day of people giving witness of how they saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Five straight days, 24 hours a day of people giving witness account of the time they had with Jesus after he rose from the dead. So number one, Jesus was really dead. He died for our sins. Number two, Jesus was really buried. Number three, Jesus was really resurrected and he rose from the dead. That is the miracle of Easter. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, he would be no different than the other good religious leaders that we hear about throughout church history. But the fact that he did rise from the dead means that God has the power to make your life better. Today, that's where Easter finds its meaning. So we talked about the miracle of Easter. Now we're going to talk about the meaning of Easter. Number one, the meaning of Easter. The resurrection is the backbone of our faith. The resurrection is the backbone of our faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6, and verse 14 says this, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve apostles. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Verse 14. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. The resurrection is the backbone of our faith. All of Christianity is riding upon the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Because why? If the resurrection is not true, what did it say? It said all of our preaching is useless. It says we're wasting our time if the resurrection didn't happen. We might as well have just stayed home today. It says also the resurrection isn't true that the apostles were liars. That all the, the disciples, all the early church leaders were liars. Because that's what they were testifying and based their life on and died for. They died for the sake and the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection. If the resurrection is not true, all of our faith is meaningless. We're no better off than someone that worships a cow or the stars or anything else. If the resurrection is not true, we are still trapped in our sin. That's scary to think about. If the resurrection were not true, we would still be trapped in our sin. We'd be a slave to our sin. It would rob us of our joy. If the resurrection were not true, there would be no meaning to life. And if the resurrection were not true, all hope would be lost. And if the resurrection were not true, all life would have ended that day at the grave. But we know that's not true. Why? Because the resurrection is the backbone of our faith. And why? The second part of the meaning of Easter is that the resurrection is a sign that God loves you. The resurrection is a sign that God loves you. When you were little, right, remember being little, love was easy to get. You had a lot of options. But the older you got, 
the more painful love can, can be to come by at different times in our lives. And maybe the more painful the discovery of love and, and the less we can find love in our lives at different times. Not too many people are, are forming a line and, and trying to make you the center of, your, of their world anymore. When you're little, people are, are coming and they're, and they're drawing around you because maybe you're cute and you're doing something funny and people are like, oh, look at so-and-so, they're so cute. But as we get older, that kind of goes away. And we might call it lonely, or love lonely is a term that people have used at different times. It's just, there's kind of that lack of, of love that people can feel at times. And as of that time, sometimes uh, we just, we, our, our friendships, our relationships start to kind of fall by the wayside, and maybe we just begin to feel lonely. Maybe our, our marriage or our relationship with our significant other begins to fall apart, and there's tension there. There's tension in our family. Maybe there, there's illness that has, has either taken our health away or taken away the health of someone that we love. Maybe we've fallen out of favor at work or whatever it may be. And we just, we kind of, that love in our life just seems to be kind of going away. And we go, is there anyone that still loves me? Where is love for me? The resurrection and the meaning of Easter shows you that God loves you. So despite maybe what challenges, despite maybe what season you're walking through in your life, know that God loves you. And the proof is in the resurrection, that when Jesus died and overcame death, he was telling you that he loves you so, so much. The answer is yes. Why? Because Romans 5, 8 said, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Why? Because to have a love relationship with you, the empty tomb is an open door to a relationship with God. Let me repeat that again. The empty tomb is an open door for a relationship with God. Religion is humanity trying to be good enough to get God's attention and earn God's favor. With Jesus, we see a God reaching to humanity through his own son, that's not human effort. That is divine effort. Human effort will only get us, it, it won't get us anywhere. It took divine effort for us to be brought back together with God. With Jesus, we see a God reaching to humanity through his own son. It's not human effort. That is divine effort. The resurrection was God's way of rooming. I love you, I want you, and I'm willing to do anything and everything for you. He did it. He sent his son to die in your place, to pay for your sins, to take the sting of death forever for you. It reminds me of a story that I recently heard about a dad who was helping his son out. His son was afraid of bees because he was allergic to them. And it goes something like this. My son was scared, and so I swatted the bee away from him so that he did not have to take the sting of the bee. The bee stuck inside the grip of my hand, the dad said. I'm a big shot dad, and when it stung me, I didn't cry when my son was around. As soon as my son walked away, I began to cry because it hurt. How does this relate? 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Just as that dad took the sting for his son, and he may have looked tough in the moment for his son, 
it did cost him something. There was pain in that. Jesus, although he was tough and everything, and God was tough, it cost God something, and it cost Jesus everything to pay for our sins. But now death has no place because victory has taken over. And now there is no more sting from death because Jesus has provided victory over sin forever. You are a person who is much loved. And I hope that you are aware of that. Whether you know it or not, I hope that you know you are loved. And I hope you become open to the love of Christ. Whether you accept it or not, know that God loves you. And that is proof through the resurrection. Number three, the meaning of Easter. The resurrection proves that nothing is impossible for God. That absolutely nothing is impossible for God. When hurt, fear, or what hurt, fear, and problems do you have today? I know each of us walked into here with different hurt, fear, and problems today. What do you have today? What did you come in here with? Know that nothing is impossible for God. And that is proof through the resurrection. But you really think that the God who created everything, who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it, can't make those things better, can't bring about a different job, can't help in some way or another? Well, then why doesn't he? Why hasn't he? I don't know. I don't have the answer to those questions. I have a small brain. I don't understand everything. My thinking is finite, just as yours is. And we don't know everything. But God is infinite. And God knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And I believe that God can do all things. But I also believe that he is a great, has a greater orchestration for our lives than we could ever imagine or even think And he said, even though I could give this to you, I'm not going to give it to you. Because it's not in your best interest that you have this. The child didn't understand it. The child didn't know why he wasn't giving her this jar of fertilizer. She thought it was cotton candy. And that's just like in our life. Sometimes we don't understand why we're not given the things we think we're supposed to receive or, or, or we think God has given us something when in reality it's not what it always appears to be. And maybe we don't receive it because it's not what God has in mind for us at that particular time. And God has something better in mind for us. God has your best interest in mind. So what keeps us from trusting God, from trusting Jesus to guide our lives? What keeps you from God's presence so invading your life that you get out of the driver's seat and you sit in the back and you let God drive? Right? How many of you have seen a bumper sticker, right? We all know bumper stickers, and some of them are, are corny and whatever else. But there's a bumper sticker out there that says, God is my co-pilot, right? God is my co-pilot. How good of a driver do you think you are? I think I'm like, okay, driver. I'm not the greatest driver. I'm not the worst driver in the world. But why is the God of the universe riding shotgun? I don't think so. Why? Because we don't like to give up control. That's why the God of the universe is riding shotgun for most of us. We don't like to give up control, but we need to. Here's something I want to share with you. Have you ever thought about what was the difference between the disciples before the resurrection and after the resurrection? This is an interesting thing to look at. Number one, before the resurrection, you could not get the disciples up. They just, they wouldn't, they weren't, they weren't very confident. They just didn't want to do a whole lot. 
after the resurrection, you couldn't get the disciples to be quiet. They would not stop talking. Before the resurrection, the disciples didn't want to say a whole lot. After the resurrection, you could not get the disciples to be quiet. Before the resurrection, the disciples were afraid. After the resurrection, the disciples were courageous. Before the resurrection, the disciples had a questioning mind. After the resurrection, the disciples had a confident mind. Lastly, before the resurrection, the disciples were seeking direction. After the resurrection, the disciples were giving direction. Think about that for a few moments. So they wouldn't talk before the resurrection. Then you couldn't get them to be quiet. They were afraid before. They became courageous after the resurrection. They had a questioning mind before. And then they became confident after the resurrection. And they were seeking direction before the resurrection. And then after the resurrection, they were out giving direction. Life without Jesus is simply surviving until death. Jesus wants to set you free to really live. He doesn't want you to just exist. He doesn't want you to just float around through your life. Jesus wants you to truly live. That is the power of the resurrection, to truly live a life that is worth living. Pastor Doug Fields shares this story about the power of hope that can be found through the resurrection. This is when he was at a prison in Mexico. He said, I realized the power of the hope while I was visiting a prison in Mexico one time. I was in prison to play basketball with prisoners who were in jail for murder and all kinds of other things. So as you can imagine, they had no problem following hard. They were miserable, sick, and hopeless individuals, except one guy. He was picking guys up. He had a smile on his face. He had a contagious laugh. He looked like a little gangster, but he didn't act like one. What's different about you, I asked him. Doug said, Jesus, baby, it's all about Jesus. This was in a prison in Mexico. He said, what was different? Jesus, baby, it's all about Jesus. This gangster who was in there for murder had found Jesus during his time in prison, and everything in his life had changed. That is the Jesus we celebrate. That is the hope that is found as a result of Easter through the resurrection. You might be trapped in a situation based on your choices and maybe even based on your past as this individual was. He was in prison because of his past, because of what he had done, but it didn't change the future hope that he had in Jesus. Jesus can change you and you can change your situation when you allow Jesus to come into your heart and change your life. John eleven twenty five says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. Will live again. The miracle of Easter is what? Jesus really died for our sins. He was buried for three days. And then he rose from death to overcome sin and death forever. And the meaning of Easter is, number one, the resurrection is the backbone of our faith. Everything else uh, rests on the resurrection. Secondly, the resurrection is a sign that God loves you. And third, the resurrection shows that nothing is impossible for God. Rachel and Kenny, if I can get you to come back up at this point. When it seems that all odds are against you, that is when God often does his very best work. When it seems that all odds are against you, just like they were with Jesus, all odds were against him. That he was not going to come back from death when he was put into that tomb after he was crucified upon the cross. 
Today, as we've talked about how we receive victory through Jesus' death and resurrection, it may have changed the way that you think about God. And that's what Easter can do. It can change the way we think about God. Therefore, it can change the way that we live our lives. So as we talked about at the beginning, that's what Easter does. Changes the way we think about God, therefore changing the way we live our lives. So the first step in changing the way we live is to surrender our heart to the Lord. So this morning, if you've never done that, if you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord, or maybe you did and you walked away from the Lord, I want to give you that opportunity this morning to surrender your heart to the Lord for the first time, or maybe you're here this morning and you need to just dedicate your heart to the Lord again and say, you know what, it's time again, I, I just surrender my heart to the Lord again and dedicate myself to Him again. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so what I'm going to ask is with every head bowed and every eye closed with no one looking around, if that is you in here this morning and you're ready to make that decision, you say, you know what, I understand what, what, what Easter is all about. I understand that Jesus gave everything for me that I may be washed clean of my sins, that I may come into relationship with God. That's just where I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than simply put your hand up in the air quickly and put it right back down. So this morning, if you'd like to give your heart to the Lord, if you'd like to dedicate your life back to Him again, I simply want you to just put your hand up in the air quickly and you can put it right back down. this morning or you've never made that decision before, I ask that you repeat that for me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to live the perfect life, to go upon the cross, to die for my sins, that I may be made whole in your eyes once again. I give my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.